Coming to you live from the most powerful city in the world. Welcome to the Sideline Junkies. Sponsored by Anchor FM. Take it away, fellas. Welcome to a special Friday night edition of the Sideline Junkies. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG. Rolling with a hell of a two-guard. My man Delonte. What's good? I probably changed your whole position, man. Cause I mean, I know you can run the three, but you at the two on the wing, man. Spot up shooter, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, like I said in the last show, you know what I'm saying? I gotta I gotta get back out there more on a consistent basis, you know. But anything's possible. Hey, indeed. We we working to get the Knicks to sign us. That's all. Just a, a a good one two year contract, nothing long term. Just one or two years set me up for a while. I'm good. I mean, you guys can play past two years. I can't do it. Yeah, I, I take you know good a, a smooth two year one point eight million dollar deal. You know what I'm saying? Pay off my student loans and you know it just I I be set. <laughs> <laughs> Well, where you want to start at tonight? I mean, this this pretty much is a all NBA man. We don't have nothing else to talk about but NBA tonight. So, where you want to start at? Uh, let's let's start with uh, Mr. Terry Rozier of the uh, soon to, soon to be a former Boston Celtic. Um, he made some comments earlier this week regarding um, his feelings on, you know, his playing time and his capabilities and, um, you know, the, uh, I guess like the, the whole, um, Kyrie and, you know, Gordon Haywood, you know, their presence in the locker room and as well as on the court and how he, he's pretty hell bent on not coming, returning to Boston after this past season. <laughs> you know what? A lot of people say blow that team up, but I, I don't. I think it's too soon. And I question is, can you smooth it over to make them stay? I don't. <clears throat> I don't think so. And uh, and I think he might have. He might have dug his own grave. Uh, he went on ESPN. Uh, immediately, like after he made those comments, and you know. A good five, six times he he, he right reiterated he was I said what I said I said what I said. It came across as like kind of ignorant. Uh, it also came across as as someone who was a professional athlete athlete who lacks uh, a professional circle. Professional circle meaning like a, a you know a PR person, uh, like a, a you know. A, uh, an advisor, a manager, like, because he, he, I don't know, he, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy, man. Looking at his contract right now, as of July 1st, well, it'll be June 30th this year at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. His contract's up. He's a free agent. Yep. So he only made $3 million last year. Uh, and I say only like it's uh, <laughs> something to shake a stick at. Yeah, pretty much. Don't get me wrong. I I, I love to make only $3 million yeah, doing something day. I love. That be, I mean, that's awesome. 
But I'm just all right. We do it real raw, unfiltered here on the sideline, junkie. So I'm just gonna say it. I granted, I understand your and how you feel, but certain things should not be said in the media. It should be taken care of behind closed doors before it gets to the point where you get on a a, a nationally televised show and pretty much throw everybody under the bus. Amen to that, man. Amen to that. Um, and, and let me let me add a lot of his comments. You know, pretty much alluded towards you know were were indirectly pointed towards Kyrie. Like, yeah, Kyrie, he's he's a point guard. You two play the same position. He's the starter. You know, he's you know championship material. Um, you know, Teflon made all that. But you know, Kyrie also has. The history of like knee injuries, and you know, last year was you know such a case where Kyrie was out for the rest of the season, and Rozier, uh, Rozier, he he stepped up. Him, <laughs> that whole crew, him, Tatum, Brown, Morris, Horford, that like that Boston team last year, they was they were scary good. They were scary good. They came within a quarter of making it to the finals with mm-hmm. that team. So. You know, it's yeah. I'm I, 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 I with you too, KG. I, I I understand his frustrations. Like, you know, he wasn't. He felt like he wasn't utilized. You know, as much or as well as he should have been. And I I can see that, but you got to understand. Like, Kyrie is is the the money maker. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Kyrie's on the billboards. I mean, trust me. Like what? When I go to when I go to Boston, I see it. Kyrie's on the face. When like when I go to the Nike town up there, um, my wife and I, uh, we we went to Nike town up there. Kyrie's on the front. Not Terry Rozier. And this is before Terry. He even signed this deal with Puma. Mm. So you know Terry, he he need to like know his role and and I. I wanted to tell, like, the, you know, in the words of The Rock, throw his role and shut his mouth, for real. I was hoping that's where you went. I I, I was sitting there, I held my breath. I was hoping that's where you went. <laughs> yeah, man, I had to, had to take it there. Classic. But now, looking at Terry Rozier, now, last year was was a magical year for Boston. Um mm-hmm. He played 80 games. He started 16. He had 25.9 minutes. He only shot 39.5% from field goal range. Right. Uh, 38% from behind the arc, 77% from the free throw line. He had 4.7 rebounds, 2.9 assists, uh, a steal a game, but he averaged 11.3 points per game. Now, that's the regular season. In the playoffs, he started 19 games. Oh, yeah. He started all 19 games, 36 minutes. Shooting percentage went up to 40% from the field, 34% from three-point, 82% from the line, five rebounds, uh, five assists, 1.3 steals with 16 and a half points. Now, this year, he only appeared in 79 games, uh, started 14. His minutes were down to 22. Uh, He was back to shooting 38% from the field, uh, 35% from three-point line. 78 from the line, 3.9 rebounds, 2.9 assists again, 0.9 steals per game, 0.3 blocks, 
and he only averaged nine points. And then in the playoffs in nine games, he only averaged 18 minutes. So and I can understand his frustration with that. You know, and we talked about this last year, you know what the core of this team, which was last year without two superstars, the, the, the core is those guys that make up the role plays, what they can do. And the question was, what can they do when the superstars come back? Either they're going to soar to a new height or they're going to crumble and fall apart. And it looked like the latter happened. What you got next? Uh, what I have next on the deck? Oh, uh, Zion, Zion Williamson and his options after the uh, lottery results. <laughs> <laughs> Pull a Steve Francis, and I—that's not my idea. Shout out to my man Keith Bladensburg alum, Nacho Seven Eleven on Twitter and Instagram. He 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 commented that on um. I, I draft lottery uh pick on the sideline junkies Facebook page and I agree wholeheartedly. Pull a Steve Francis. Just tell New Orleans off break, uh, nah, Slim, I'm not paying for you. I, I don't I don't want to play in New Orleans. That way they'll trade that pick and do whatever. So I well, you know, his his stepfather um <clears throat> stepped up and I made a comment or spoke to the media made a comment uh, stating that Zion, you know, would, would be cool with playing in New Orleans. I think that was kind of a uh, let's step on this roach before it, you know what I'm saying, a, a crawl on the food type of uh, move. You know what I'm saying? That, that's, what, that's what that was. And, and and there's nothing wrong with it. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, he don't want to mess up the bag. So, no, he, nah, that's. I, I think that was that was dope for his his stepfather to, to, you know, what I'm saying, come in and like make make such a statement because I'm gonna tell you, um, you know, when he announced that the Pelicans, you know, was the you know got the number one pick, uh, Zion, his, that laugh that he had, that was that was a very uncomfortable laugh. Yeah, that was that. <laughs> this can't be happening. Yeah, he was like, oh, "Well, might have to. Moms might have to make uh wait on that big house. I might be going back to school. Let me call the tutor see if she can take these tests for me another year." <laughs> and the wild part about it, everybody say, "Well, why would he go back to school?" And they say a shoe company is waiting to pay him a hundred million. <clears throat> oh yeah, his rookie contract is going to be thirty million, so he's going to get a hundred thirty million before taxes. But if he goes back to school, he gets nothing. Which I think is a travesty and a shame because think about the the the, the revenue that he him R J Barrett Cam Reddish uh Ja Morant all the guys that are in college that are top stars think about the revenue that they produce and they're not getting a dime off of it and it goes oh, yeah. all the way back you you think about the the Grant Hills the Bobby Hurleys uh the Fab Five. You know, uh, 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 UNLV. You think about all those teams, even the Merlin teams, because, I mean, we were in love with Merlin, with Steve Francis, then Juan Dixon stepped up. I mean, those guys didn't get paid off of that. Right. And they should have. I mean, $250 is what the stipend used to be every month yeah. uh, for a college athlete. I don't know if it's still the same. It might have went up a little bit. But what is $250 going to do if you're telling me, 
that you want me to do all these interviews and press things, but I'm not getting paid for, but I don't have enough money to eat. Right. I can't hold a job because against NCAA bylaws for me to hold a job because I'm a scholarship athlete. Right. I can't get paid for anything. That has to change. Then you won't have so many one and dones too. But uh, if, 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 if uh, Zion decides that he wants to force some things, the, uh, the, 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 the Pelicans can trade Anthony Davis to New York because, you know, they're going to pick R.J. Barrett. You trade Anthony Davis to, for R.J. Barrett and get him to play with Zion. I've seen, you know, it was a scenario where they could get a couple of players. Anthony Davis is happy because he's somewhere that he wants to be. Zion got a familiar face down there with him, and he has somebody that he has a rapport with. And then you build around those two young bulls. And uh, 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 what's his name? Um, I just said it. Cheese uh, Barrett. It's going to be a cheaper, a cheaper, younger version of Anthony Davis. Maybe not as skilled just yet. He needs to be polished. But right. I think that could work out. If you actually start building around him, as soon as you draft him and free agency hit, you just start building around him. I think that could work. Yeah. Yeah, him yeah, that that'd be something. Him and RJ end up on the same team together. Yeah. But it's looking start looking likely, so you know, we should see. Cause truth be told, Anthony Davis don't wanna be in New Orleans. He don't wanna be there. Not, not at all. Nah. I mean but I think that's why they gave New Orleans that first pick because you got to think about it. This is a draft where you got names coming out. Right. And we're talking names. We're talking names going to a small market. And it's not nothing against New Orleans, but you know what your small market team, Indiana, New Orleans, uh, Utah, those are small market teams for people that don't know. Even Golden State is considered a small market team. Mm-hmm. Even though Golden State are the world champions, they're still a small market team. When it comes to, you know, revenue and things like that. But you have to have – in those small market teams, you have to have a player or two that can shoulder the load and say, you know what, we're going to carry the whole city and the franchise. So if Anthony Davis leaves, you still got Zion. See what I'm saying? So I think that's why they got the first pick, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, true. I, 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 I agree. All right, where we go to next? You the captain of this ship, brother. Uh, next up on our plate. Give me one second. Um, <clears throat> the Lakers front office. Um, you know LeBron, and then the art of attracting free agents to play alongside LeBron. Mm. To say that's going well. The biggest lie of the year, man. Like that, man the 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 Lakers franchise period is, is a total train wreck. Yeah, they hired a new coach, uh, Frank Vogel, but uh, there are reports that some of these players they they might not even listen to Frank Vogel. I don't think a lot of them listen to uh, Luke Walton. To be honest, no, nah, they didn't. They did their own thing, or that, or they kind of consulted with the uh, some of the assistant coaches. Now, 
looking at this uh this roster, okay, you're losing KCP. Rondo's gone. Oh yeah. Lance uh, gone. It's gone. Reggie Bullock, Tyson Chandler, JaVale McGee. Uh Mike Muscola, he's gone. So you're gonna have to build a team. And it, you may have to build a team. It may not be out of bricks or stone. You might have to build a team out of sticks right now. Right. But isn't that the same problem that LeBron had in Cleveland? They never built around him. And this is the outside of his Miami days. I think if you take Miami, put it in a capsule, put it to the side. Let's talk about his Cleveland days, both stints. He's never really had much of a supporting cast outside of Kyrie and Kevin Love. Kevin Love disappeared. Right. And all he had was Kyrie. They win a championship. Okay, fine. Now, you got young bulls like KCP, Brandon Ingram, um, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Wagner, Josh Ball. Hart. Yeah, Josh Hart. You got those young bulls in there with them to you know to train them up. Okay, yep. fine. But you brought in the veterans, Rondo, Stevenson, Tyson Chandler, JaVale McGee. Now, Rondo, Tyson Chandler, JaVale McGee, all three of them got rings. Yeah. They got championship experience, so I understand that. But here's what I don't understand. What are you going to do next year? That's why I was like, when they signed them all to one-year deals, what are you going to do next year? You're not going to win a title this year. Yeah, I, I, I didn't understand that. Not only that, I didn't understand them not getting LeBron a, a sharp shooter or two because you, we all know that LeBron, his game doesn't fully thrive unless he has those two automatic like two automatic dead-on spot-up shooters that he can drive the lane and kick you know, kick the ball out to. Who would you suggest as a shooter for the uh, for, for the Lakers next year? Uh, well, although he'll be 100 years old, uh, he said he's coming back next year. He's a free agent, uh, and as well as a former teammate. Uh, I go with Kyle Corbin for starters. You, you want to know something? I don't care how old Kyle Corbin is. He's always going to be a dead-eye shooter. Yeah. And I, I said it once before. I'll say it again. When Kyle Corbin left Chicago, it seemed like our team went down because we didn't have that. He forget being corner specialist. He was just a dead eye shooter. Him and Mike Dunleavy together is what I wanted to see. But they brought in Mike Dunleavy to replace him, and it was like night and day kind of. But Kyle Culver was missed in Chicago when he left. Yeah. And if he comes back next year and he goes to the Lakers, oh my! Okay, that's one. Give me one more. Yeah. Yep. Um. Let me see. One more. One more. Let me think. Uh. Never played before, but you know they're pretty cool. Oh no, they did play before in Cleveland uh, during LeBron's first stint. Um, Danny Green, because hmm. he'll be a free agent. Yeah, he, he's currently in Toronto, but yeah, he he would <laughs> it would definitely benefit from going to the Lakers and have LeBron kick the ball out to him. He out there just spot up, just hitting threes. And speaking of Toronto, they are getting handled right now. They are down 68 to 44, mm. and it's about nine minutes left. Nine minutes 
26 seconds left in the third. Uh, like I said, if anybody, I didn't post it on our company page, <laughs> but I posted on my personal page. Anybody that followed me, like I said, it don't matter if it's Kyle Lowry, Mike Lowry, Lowry season salt, bucks and five. So we're going to take that and run with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't think uh I don't know, I didn't think Toronto was gonna be able to, to hang with them anyway. It's gonna turn around. Once it goes back to Toronto, it's gonna turn around for a game, so I'm not gonna hang my hat. I wouldn't hang my hat on it. And say, you know, they they're gonna sweep them, but it'd be nice if they did. Right. All right, where to next? Um, last on my docket, I had uh, <clears throat> Paul Pierce. <laughs> Lord Jesus, Paul, help me. Hold Boston it, Celtics great uh, Paul Pierce claiming that he was he's a better shooter than Clay Thompson. <laughs> it made me sick to my stomach when I heard that. <sighs> Let me I watched him <laughs> make that comment live on TV. I was like, what's wrong with this guy, man? Like, what are they putting the weed up there in Boston? Like, come on. Whatever it is, can we get some of it? Because I want to feel that invincible my damn self. Oh. You know, Newberry Street somewhere just floating around, just saying anything. Oh, my First God. First was the D-Wade comments. Mm-hmm. Now it's the Clay Thompson comments. Like, what's wrong with this guy, man? You know what? I, I meant to send you the video of Clutch Points. is IGTV. Just the dumb. It's it's labeled the dumbest things Paul Pierce has ever said. Oh, like, probably, probably like two hours long. <laughs> go to theaters and see it. Get some popcorn. They, they says, uh, he said um they were asking about the step back. He's like, no, I didn't invent the step back. I prevent. I perfected it. What? No, you didn't, sir. What? I mean, granted, at the time he was doing it, we did call it a Paul Pierce move because, I mean, he was doing it all the time, but you didn't perfect that. You just did it. It was easy for you. Yeah. And the thing about Paul Pierce, I mean, granted, I'll I'll call you a Boston great for what you did, you know, but it took you 10 years to win a title and you had to get two other superstars to do it when you had a superstar, Antoine Walker, and y'all couldn't do it. Yeah. Okay. You won Finals MVP, but I really don't think you should have. I think it should have went to Ray Allen and Kevin Durant. Oh yeah, I think Kevin oh, uh, Garnett. Yeah, I, I think that was a, a a sympathy Finals MVP. Now, Boston retired your number thirty four, and in my opinion, in my honest opinion, I feel bad that they retired it because now, granted, I've seen, I've heard Larry Bird talk trash about other players, but never current players. Him and Dominique talk trash about each other. When they said they were going to put a statue up of Dominique in Atlanta, he said, I guess it won't be in the defensive pose, will it? Wow. That's that's different. But you constantly putting yourself in these daggone arguments of, like he called Steph Curry. No, I'm sorry. They asked him who was the greatest wing shooter. He said Ray Allen was sooner to be Steph Curry. Everybody said, hold on. Jalen Rose like, Steph Curry is a point guard. He's a combo guard. He's a wing shooter. Uh, no. No matter what you say, Steph is a – he can be a combo guard, but Steph is not a wing shooter. Right. Come on, man. Do you not know what you're talking about? Pretty much. But as far as Boston retiring his number 34, and I'm not even sure how it hangs in the rafters, 
but I think it should have its own little separate banner to go put in a corner somewhere because, dude, I want to know if is he saying this type of stuff for the reaction and uh, and, and the fodder, or is he saying this because he's truly serious? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not sure what, what's going on with Paul Pierce, man. From the the Steph Curry comments to the D Wade comments to the Clay Thompson comments, like. I don't know. I don't know. Father time is like it's starting to hit him from a mental standpoint, but I don't know what's going on with Paul Pierce, man. Let me. I'm gonna say this: Is Paul Pierce a Hall of Famer? Yes. One thing about Paul Pierce: You talking about you a better shooter than Clay? No, sir, you're not. You're barely a good three point shooter. You're not even that good of a three-point shooter. You want a three-point shootout because you got hot. Come on, man. Yeah. Cut it out. And you won in 2010. Hold on. I'm going to find out who was in that daggone three-point shootout. It was Paul Pierce. He beat Steph Curry, Chauncey Billups, Daquan Cook, Channing Fry, and Danilo Gallinari. Okay. He beat Steph. Steph had 17. He beat Steph with 20 in the second round. But the thing is, Steph got hot in the first round, just cooled off a little bit. You got hot in the second round and hit it. Come on, man. Cut it out. Cut it out. That's all I can say. Just cut it out. Right. Oh, man. I want to go in so bad, but I'm like, nah. Because if I go in, it ain't going to be no pulling me back. Uh I'm going to be like a pit bull with locked jaws, man. (laughs) oh man we take a break and come back because i I got i I really want to hear your thing on this i don't know who in the world is making these pyramids number one i want to say thank you because you've given us a lot to argue about a lot to talk about yeah a lot to laugh about yeah but i'm gonna need you whoever you are whichever one's making these pyramids all of you Sit down and evaluate what you're doing. Once you make it, look at it, and then start getting on the internet and searching because they're off. They're way off. And we got one for you that's a coaching pyramid. And Delonte and myself are digging into that right after this break. Stay tuned. And just like that, we're back. Now, every one of the, every, these pyramids are done in tiers, okay? Of course, tier one is always the best, and then it goes from there down. We're going to take a few minutes. I'm going to run through this tier. We're not going to hold you long. So I, I guess i say about 10, 11 minutes. On, 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 on. I mean, seven of that is going to be Delonte laughing, so <laughs> I, I'm going to be laughing right with him. All right, let's go. Let's go top to bottom. All right, tier one, best coaches. This is what the pyramid is called, RT NBA on Twitter and uh, Instagram is where this pyramid came from. All right, tier one, Pop, Phil Jackson. Tier two, Pat Riley, Red Arback, Chuck Daly. Mm-hmm. Tier three, uh, Jerry Sloan, Larry Brown, Rick Carlisle, Doc Rivers. Don Nelson. Tier four. 
<laughs> don't 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 start. Oh. Tier four: Eric Spostra, Steve Kerr, Jeff Van Gundy, Flip Saunders, Rudy Tomjanovich. Wow. Tier five, which is the final tier: Tom Thibodeau, George Carl, Rick Adelman, Stan Van Gundy, Mike D'Antoni, and Hubie Brown. Now. When I when I first found it, the first thing I said, I said I had to throw this to the brothers and let them unpack this travesty because I need help. Delonte, the floor is yours. Uh, for me, I'm I'm shaking my head at tier four. And it's <clears throat> five coaches. No disrespect to none of these coaches, but Spolstra, he he benefited from like the first modern day super team. Yeah, we can say we can argue and say they were already super teams with, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics of the eighties and and Jordan Pippen in the nineties, but this that Miami team, like that they were like they all came together with a common goal, you know, with LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosch. Yeah, Spoelstra, even like before then he was an average coach. Pretty much, um, you know, I, I I would say he he benefited from coaching those guys. Steve Kerr, I could say the same thing about him because that Warriors team was initially built by Mark Jackson. You know, he he developed the, the blueprint for the Warriors team that you see today. Uh, Van Gundy, I I'll give him props. Uh, I'll give him props. He which Van Gundy? Jeff. Okay. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, Stan, yeah. Uh, but uh, Jeff, I'll give him props. Um, I'll give Rudy props as well. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he coached some, the, the, the two great Houston teams that went back to back, but hey, you know, he, he was definitely good coaching his own right. And th- the fifth coach was, who, who's this? Well, uh, which tier? Tier four. Uh, uh, Flip Saunders. Flip Saunders. Uh, God rest his soul. God rest his soul. And I mean that in the, in the utmost respect. Um, would I have put him in any of these tiers? Maybe tier five, but definitely I think tier four is too high for him as far as his, his, his coaching uh, resume goes. Cause yeah, I mean yeah, he you know he oversaw the 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 young Timberwolves with the young KG and the the Starberry, but he coached the Wizards and, and you know that's all I'm gonna I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> well, I, I got a lot to dig into because this right here, this is a travesty unto itself. Okay, number one, D'Antoni, both Van Gundy's, Thibodeau, Spolstra, Doc Rivers, Rick Carlisle. But I'm going to say this, Steve Kerr, Doc Rivers, Rick Carlisle are on the bubble. But those guys, they got to go. They got to go off this list because out of everybody on this list, 
It's not even about championships. It's about what teams you made better. And Doc Rivers has a, ha- a habit of making teams better. But Steve Kerr is a good coach. He's a good motivator. But I want to see what he does with talent that he picks. Now, that's Mark Jackson's talent. He gives Mark Jackson all the credit. And I, that's why I always say Steve Kerr is a class act. But there's no Lenny Wilkins on this list. No Dr. Jack Ramsey. Uh, no Bill Fitch, no Red Holzman. Like, those guys should be on this list. These are some of the greatest coaches ever. And then you have Red Auerbach in Tier 2, but you got Pop in Tier 1. If you're going to make Tier 1 more than one person, I would rather you have Red and Phil on Tier 1. Put Pop first on Tier 2. Um, Chuck Daly and, and and Riley. I mean, Riley got six championships as a as a head coach, and two as a uh, as an executive. Um, you know, Chuck Daly coached the Bad Boys, so you already know he's he's cemented. Jerry Sloan, what did he have? Twenty some winning seasons in Utah. Uh, Larry Brown, great motivator. It, yeah, he. He came up short with the Sixers, but he finally got over the hump with the Pistons. Yeah. Rick Carlisle picked up that same Pistons team and couldn't win, but goes to the Dallas and wins the championship. Beats Miami, a super team, and he beat them. So, I mean, I, 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 he, that's why he's on the bubble. Of course, I said Doc, and, um, you know, he's on the bubble because he's turned teams around his championship in 08. Uh, Don Nelson, jeez, Don Nelson, eight hundred games, and has won Coach of the Year three times. I mean, <laughs> one of the greats, innovative. Um, Rudy T, just a consummate winner. If he wouldn't have got sick with the Lakers with uh that super team they had with Carl Malone and all of them, they would have won a championship that year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, right after Rudy T, you know, you got George Carl for what he did in uh, Denver, what he did in Milwaukee, what he did in Seattle. Rick Adelman, all you got to do is say Sacramento. He turned Sacramento into a championship contender. They just couldn't get past the Lakers. Yep. And then Hub- Hubie Brown, I just love to hear Hubie talk. I mean, Hubie was a good play- a good coach. But I just love that his basketball mind, period, his philosophy is still being used to this day. Yeah. And I don't know if this was just as far as uh, head coaches, but, I mean, if you were saying coaches, uh, Brian Shaw is a great assistant. Tex Winter was a great assistant. I mean, those are great coaches, but I don't know how this was put together. And – Saying that Lenny Wilkins was left off of this was a problem. So yeah, that's that's a huge problem. I just Dr. Jack Ramsey left off of it, and Dr. Jack Ramsey in '77 with the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, he did he did what it, what was needed to be done and won a championship. Right. And that's another one I love listening to on the radio. But the simple fact that you got. Pop and Phil and Tier 1. No, it should be Pop and Red and Phil and, and Tier 1. Not taking anything. I'm sorry. Phil and Red and Tier 1. 
not taking anything away from Pop because Pop is one of the greatest coaches to ever sit on the bench. Right. But when it comes to motivators and winning, and I've heard people say, well, Phil Jackson had some of the best players ever. He shouldn't be considered a great coach. But you still got to motivate those players. You still got to take all those players on that team. That's anywhere from 12 to 15 players. Each one comes with their own set of problems, their own egos. You got to put those egos and everything in a bag, and you have to keep a, a handle on them to get everything done to win. And Phil Jackson was one that if you weren't playing right, he would give you a book to read to get your psyche right. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. I just like, – I, I want a pyramid that's right. Yep, I think so. Uh, <clears throat> I would have put uh, Tex Winters up there before some of them coaches up there. Spolstra being one. What has he done after after LeBron left? Nothing. Oh, wait, hold on. I can tell you what he did after LeBron left. Hold on. I just had that pulled up just for this question. What he did after LeBron left. Now, LeBron left after the 13-14 season, which they went to the NBA Finals and lost to the Spurs. Okay? Mm-hmm. He went 37-45. and 45. He went 37-45. and 45. He went 48-34 and 34 and lost in the conference semis. 41 and 41 and missed the playoffs. 44 and 38 lost in the first round. 39 and 43 this past season and missed the playoffs. He's missed the playoffs three out of the last five years that, uh, since LeBron's been gone. Wow. So uh, that says a lot about so called best head coach. So if you're saying he's the best head coach because he went to the finals three years in a row. I'm sorry, four years in a row. I I, I can't call it. I can't give it that. Give you that. Because for all that, I could say Ty, Ty Lue belongs up there. Yeah, you can. Because he even he even wanted like they were losing to the Warriors all them years, but well they beat them, and then not only that, they were they were down three one and came back and beat them. Yeah. And that says a lot. But think about this. When they fired David Blatt, they had a winning record, brother. Hmm. And they fired a coach in the middle of the season with a winning record because he was too strict. So you bring in a lax coach like Ty Lue, who's a player's coach. He's a former player. But, yeah, they still won a championship, but come on now. David Blatt got him on that start. And that's another guy. That I'm wondering why hasn't he got another call from the NBA? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. He he probably was like, man. Uh, I know he went back overseas, and you know, uh, uh, you know, what I'm saying, uh, um, <clears throat> achieve some more success over there. He probably was like, man, these American players, man, like they just spoiled. You know what? A lot of people say say that they'll say that American players are spoiled. You can't talk to them the way you talk to foreign players. Now, in the era we grew up, you know, coaches were rough. They were harsh. Right. And as grown men, coaches were harsh. You can't do that anymore. You got to coddle these guys and make them think you're their friend. And I'm like, man, all that ain't necessary, man. But that's the that's the, the league we play in. I mean, this is the era of participation trophies. Right. So – 
I just I don't understand. And he after he left, he's over in Greece right now, David Blatt. And he's over in Greece and coaching. You know he's American, right? Yeah. I did not know that. I thought yeah. he was I thought he, he was from Israel for real. I mean, well, I mean he is Israeli, but I thought that's where he was born and he was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Played for Princeton. Yeah. Played for Princeton. Uh did he get any time in the NBA? No time in the NBA. He went undrafted. But he had a 12-year career overseas, 81 to 93. Hmm. Gold medal as a player. Uh, head coach. He won a bronze in 2012. A gold in the Euro basket in Spain in 2007. And a bronze in 2011 with Lithuania. So he's he's definitely accomplished. Yeah, he's decorated. I mean, as a coach, EuroLeague champion 2014, coach of the year 2014, Euro Cup champion 2018, FIBA Euro Challenge 2005, Italian League champion 2006, Italian Cup winner 2007, Adriatic champion 2012, Russian Super League coach of the year 2005, five-time Israeli Super League champion 2005. I mean, sorry, 2003, 2, 11, 12, and 14. Six time Israeli Cup winner 2002 to 2003, and then 2011 to 2014. Like his resume alone. Come on. Oh, yeah, that speaks volume. Ah, man. Well, brother, I, I just, you know what? We're gonna sit down, and we're gonna put, uh, uh, we're gonna pick a number, and we're gonna put that many coaches on the list, and then we're gonna make it into tiers, and we're gonna put our own pyramid out, and we're gonna do it with right. players, everything. I'm with it. I'm down for that. All right, let's not burn the doors off tonight. Um, geez, before we get out of here, let me say this, Delonte. Mm-hmm. Hell of a job, man. That was an excellent job. Captain of the ship tonight, and you rocked and rolled, and you did the damn thing. I will say that. Oh, man, I appreciate it, man. You know, it's my, you know, that, that thank you for, you know what I'm saying, providing the platform, you know. Hey, man, you, you took it. You ran with it. You did what you're supposed to do. And, hey, this was your ship tonight. Only thing I added was the pyramid. I didn't have to add anything else. You did all the work, so. Uh, yeah, man. It's, 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 it's all good, man. It's what we do. I, I guess we can say this. Sunday, we're going to have another one. I'm sure between now and Sunday, we're going to have probably about three, four more pyramids. Yeah. Hope they, <laughs> you know, some accuracy with them. Yeah. But if, if it's no accuracy, believe me, Sideline Junk is going to let you know you messed up. Yeah. Yes, indeed. So let's go ahead and get on up out of here. Any final words before we go? Uh, as usual, just want to say thanks, you know, to all the listeners. You know what I'm saying? We truly appreciate it. Thanks for rocking with us. And, you know, we always look forward to giving you that uh, real, raw, up, you know, uncut um, take on today's sports as well as uh, sports from you know the past and sports from the future indeed indeed uh 
Junie, BJ, and Jim all on special assignment. Uh, you're going to hear the People's Choice Don Rodriguez tomorrow night for the Saturday Night WrestleMania. I've got a lot to dive into when that comes. So stay tuned for that. For myself and Delonte, won't do no overtime. We out of here. Peace. This has been another Sideline Junkies production, sponsored by Anchor FM. For any questions, comments, or even if you have a show idea, you can always email the fellas, sidelinejunkies247 at gmail.com. Junkies out.